0: Hi, I'm Greg Schaefer, and welcome to the Virtual CISO Moment for Friday, November 25th, 2022. Happy Thanksgiving to y'all in the United States. Hope you enjoyed your holiday. A little bit of a programming note. Apologies for not getting the Throwback Thursday episode out on Thursday. I was in a bit of a turkey coma yesterday, but check it out. Great conversation with Monica Rowe from August of this past year. Our first article today comes from Forbes, Why Cybersecurity Should Be Part of Any Business Strategy. So this is directed at the C-suite and the board of directors. There's always seems to be a little bit of a lag sometimes with regards to board and C-suite understanding what they need to understand as far as cyber risk goes. And this article is attempting to help in that regard. Starts out as these articles often do with a financial impact statement which then gets the attention of the business leaders. A 2022 IBM study found that the global average cost of a single data breach reached an all-time high of 4.35 million. The article goes on to note that, of course, cyber risk is a business risk and that members of the C-suite should approach cybersecurity holistically and understand how cyber threats can impact businesses and how the cybersecurity strategy supports the business strategy. They also need to understand what controls are in place to mitigate the risks. And specifically, they give a checklist. Now, this is a checklist that the CISO or the virtual CISO should be working with the C-suite and the board of directors in, in conjunction with. Most of these answers will come from the CISO. Starting at, there are 13 of them. So the first one, how are operational risks addressed? What is the risk model? How are risks monitored and reported? How are risk scenarios identified? What are the top 10 risk scenarios identified and why? And I should add, how do you rank that? Number six, how does the scenario impact the business strategy? Number seven, how are the consequences tiered from partially to fully materialized risk scenarios? What supervisory controls are in place? What reactive controls are in place? How are the controls selected? How are the controls tested to ensure efficiency efficiency and, I would say, efficacy? Number 12, in case of a materialized risk scenario, what funding is available to get back to business as usual? Well, that should probably come from the C-suite, particularly the CFO. And number 13, what is the investigation model? Not sure exactly what they're talking about there. Probably more or less what do you do in the event of a breach? In any case, good to see some advice for the C-suite and for the board of directors, because reiterating from the article, cybersecurity is a business risk. To help in that regard, this from HelpNet Security, five free resources from the Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency, or CISA. I'll just read these. Cyber hygiene vulnerability scanning is number one. Did you know that you can send an email to vulnerability at cisa.dhs.gov, and they will scan? your environment. I'm assuming this is external scans only. They say that scanning will start within three days. You'll begin receiving reports within two weeks. Not tried that. I wonder how well that that works. If anybody has some input on that, I'd love to hear it. You can always reach us on Twitter and also on LinkedIn. Cybersecurity Evaluation Toolset, or CSET rather, This tool provides organizations with a structured and repeatable approach to assessing the security posture of their cyber systems networks. I have used that in the past. I did find it a bit cumbersome. I don't know if it's become more streamlined or easier to implement than from before. Number three, a checklist for implementing cybersecurity measures. Well, we just kind of um, talked about that in the last article where we had the 13 items. They're probably very similar. Number four, a known exploited vulnerabilities catalog. So this catalog enables you to identify known software security flaws. And number five, and this is something I wasn't familiar with, Malcolm Network Traffic Analysis Tool Suite. So it looks like you can send PCAPs and Zeke logs and it will perform some sort of an analysis as to what is going on with regards to your network. So interesting tools. And if so, one or more of those is something that you might be interested in. Check out that article. Again, it was from HelpNetSecurity.com. Links in the show notes. And continuing along that line of advice and good information for businesses, security is too important to have a dysfunctional team. This from TechNative. Technology has become vital for businesses across most sectors and industries to continue to operate. And as a result, according to the article, it has become crucial for businesses to recruit and retain tech talent like software engineers and coders. However, without a stable and secure environment maintained by cybersecurity professionals, businesses will not be able to attract the talent needed to fulfill their full potential. The article goes on to say that according to a study from ISC Squared, the Cyber Workforce Report in 2021, the global cybersecurity workforce needs to grow by 65%, assuming annually, to effectively defend organizations' critical assets. And currently, far too many businesses are having to make do without skilled personnel to or that says to hand. I think it's on hand. Uh, That's one of the reasons why more innovative approaches over the last few years, such as with the virtual CISO services, can help businesses in that sense by helping to provide some necessary skill sets. The article goes on to note that with such difficulty, quote, recruiting and maintaining staff, one option businesses should consider is training and reskilling programs for existing staff to help bridge the gap. Current cybersecurity professionals can solidify what they already know and stay up to date on the latest learnings. Probably most of you have seen on LinkedIn, somebody asks a question, what if we train our security folks and they leave us? And then the response is, what if we don't train them? So I think you all get the meaning of that. It's better to train when all is said and done. And finally they mentioned in the article here five fundamental qualities that make every team great. Communication, trust, collective responsibility, caring, and pride. Somewhere in there I think I would want to put ethics. That's just my opinion. Anyway, that's from tech tech native, excuse me, .io So what happens when you don't have an effective security program and an effective security staff? You might end up like what happened with AirAsia, who according to databreaches.net, AirAsia is a victim of ransomware attack. Passenger and employee data was acquired. On November 11th and 12th, AirAsia Group fell victim to a ransomware attack by Daxian team, or Daxian team. The threat actors, who were the topic of a recent CISA alert, informed data breaches that they obtained the personal data of 5 million unique passengers and all employees. Now, one of the things I found interesting in this article, it goes on, a lot of the article is the standard stuff you'd read in here. They do the ransomware, they have the communication, they have the back and forth with the criminal. But one of the things apparently that I guess kind of helped Air Asia a bit was their really poor network design, as as the article kind of describes it, I believe, it's like, it's almost like that they took like one building and just kept on adding on shacks to it. And this quote irritated the attackers. The spokesperson apparently for, I guess it was AirAsia, responded, yes, it, that being the poorly designed network, helped them. The internal network was configured without any rules. And as a result, worked very poorly. It seemed that every new system administrator, quote, built his shed next to the old building, unquote. At the same time, the network protection was very, very weak. And the uh, (laughs) article says security by incompetence. Could it catch on? I wouldn't recommend that, but that was an interesting take on it. Well, here we go. One of my Things that I look forward to now every Friday, at least at the end of the year. I mentioned this last week that I try to make this a weekly thing. And there seems to be a lot of source material for this. And this is, of course, the predictions for 2023, where I take a prediction list and I read them without having read them before and opine on each one. This one is from VentureBeat, and it is Deloitte's 10 Strategic Security Predictions for 2023. So let's just go ahead, starting with number one. We have boards. cybersecurity readiness will become business imperative. I guess that that's pretty close to what we've just been talking about today. Connected device visibility and security will be a major area of focus for most organizations. As if it's not already today. Security and emerging technologies will be critical in their adoption. They're talking about applications of IoT, blockchain, 5G, quantum, and other technologies. Again, I. Think that this has been standard for the last several years. Data centric security and privacy will become imperative to building brand and customer trust. Well, yeah, certainly, uh, reputational risk is one of the risks we look at when we do risk assessments and when we also do exercises like tabletop exercises for business continuity. What is the risk to the reputation of the business? So, certainly, there is that that is imperative to building brand and customer trust. Number five, focus of future. Forward readiness. Focus of future forward readiness. In addition to having a lot of F's there, just looking at it right off the top of my head, I'm not really sure what they're talking about. Uh, That sounds more like a marketing term to me, to tell you the truth. Number six, organizational resilience will continue to be the focus. Bravo. Number seven, complex supply chain security risks will continue to emerge. Yeah, we definitely saw that with both COVID and um, the solar winds a couple of years back. And of course, now in the United States, they're talking about the train, particularly a rail strike coming on, which is a security risk and the fact that if you can't get items in itself, so I don't see any any argument with that. There, number eight: organizational talent consolidation and outsourcing will evolve due to severe cyber talent shortage and growing labor cost. Now, this is an interesting one, and I do agree with this. I think that um, there is a lot of opportunity to remove some of the silos that we have in informational information and cybersecurity, and I do think that there's going to have to be opportunities for companies to get more strategic on, in streamlining that. So it's not necessarily about, well, we need to add, like, say, more stock analysts. We need to figure out how to use them more efficiently. Now, of course, we've talked about that for the longest time, which is why you have the automation. And in, in they talk about AI with regards to log monitoring, because back in the day when I was doing log monitoring, I was doing log monitoring. I was going through servers and actually reading logs. And it's just impossible to do that in today's modern world. It was fine 25 years ago. Um, number nine, cloud security approaches, products, and technology will mature at an accelerated pace. You know, sometimes I I just see things in here that just like kind of like fillers. It's like, well, we got to get to 10. What else can we put in here? Um, okay. Yeah, it's going. What does accelerated pace mean? Yeah. Um, I just don't know. Number 10, the last one, evolving threats to operational technology in manufacturing and other environments. Well, this I I would agree with. It's in Threats always evolve, and sometimes you see threats in areas that we didn't think that we would have threats in before. And the one that comes to mind, just on reading that, for example, is, I've talked about it before, is multi-factor authentication. Um, so this isn't necessarily in manufacturing and other environments, but it is as far as an evolving threat to technology. We used to think that multi-factor authentication was the end-all, do-all, if you will, about um, that it would solve or almost solve completely the business email compromise and the credential theft and and all of that. But it doesn't, and we and, and we've seen that being subverted by multi-factor fatigue, for example, MFA fatigue. So an interesting list. I think it's a good idea to keep up with these things as they evolve. But again, sometimes these lists, I I think that they could probably be distilled down to like three or four things that are really different and make an impact instead of everybody trying to like find enough stuff to make a list of 10. Maybe I should do that. No, maybe not. I got to thinking a little bit about predictions and I had an idea start to formulate in my head. This may be an unpopular opinion, I don't know, but I've seen a couple of trends in cybersecurity over the last 10, 15, 20 years that I think that you have to really step back and really take a look at it. So going back, say 20 years ago, cybersecurity wasn't really a cool, if you will, or in vogue or a highly sought after career, it was starting to get there, but it was more, it was more of a still specialized industry. And a lot of people didn't really know what cybersecurity was. And to be fair, it was growing 20 years ago, roughly, actually, I guess it would be about 23 years ago is when I installed, um, the first firewall that I ever worked with with from Checkpoint. So it's great to see that interest. I think it's wonderful. But there's also been, which I'm afraid is an unsustainable increase in compensation for cybersecurity experts. Now, track with me for a minute. What I'm worried about is a bubble burst. And we see that in other areas. We've seen that before in 2008. We had the uh, housing derivatives um, burst. We're seeing that to an extent right now in in the economy and particularly with crypto. Maybe we're seeing a crypto bubble burst right now. Certainly, everybody seems to measure that according to like Bitcoin. And Bitcoin, if I do my math right, is about... um, 25% of what its high was about a year ago. And I'm I'm going 15,000 to 61,000 is what I'm thinking. It seems like some of the compensation has become unsustainable. And by chasing compensation too, I think we're seeing folks jump from job to job to job. I, I don't necessarily agree with the idea of jumping from job to job to job in cyber. If the job requires a lot of institutional knowledge. Now, if it's a basic job like a SOC analyst where it's kind of like you can you can plug yourself in from one to the other, that's another story. But it does seem, and I don't have any data to back this up because I didn't have, I, I, I'm just thinking about this now, basically talking as I'm thinking, which can be dangerous, I guess. But it it seems like that the the compensation wave is not sustainable. And if you look at it from a business perspective, the businesses at some point in time are going to have to figure out ways to be more effective. That was what one of the articles was about that I talked about, because you just, you you can't spend that money that you don't have. Ultimately, the business job is to stay in business and cybersecurity cannot become so much of a cost center that it totally wipes out or comes close to wiping out um, profit and gains so that the business can't grow. So that worries me. I don't really have anything else to say about that, except for the fact that I just have that feeling that we're we're looking at a burst, a bubble burst, in the next 18 to 24 months. So think about that. And if I'm wrong in 18 to 24 months, and I remember this and I'm still doing the podcast, which I plan to, uh, I'll revisit it. I do hope that I am wrong. So until then, have a wonderful weekend, and we will see you on Monday for the VCM Quick Strike. And until then, stay secure.